Hello, and welcome to today's edition of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. Today, we're going to be talking all about leases, how to negotiate, what to look for in a lease, the things that are commonly missed, and how to create that win-win for everyone. Yeah, I don't think anyone in the industry really, or let me rephrase that, I don't think very many people in the industry really understand the magnitude of getting a lease right, mainly because the antithesis of that is getting a lease wrong. And uh, I've heard many people in the industry that are very experienced veterans tell me from day one, you can overcome almost anything bad that you do, any mistake that you made in the industry Mm -hmm. with the exception of signing a bad long-term lease um, or even a bad short-term lease for that matter. Um, So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. So let's jump right into it because we think this is going to bring you, the industry, a lot of value. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. I'm Dave Menz. This is my beautiful wife, Carla. And we're going to tackle something that not too many people really talk about in this industry, especially when it comes to podcasts and things like that. It seems like even our podcasts, uh, you know, we have guests on the show, things like that. We kind of gloss over, uh, okay, so you signed a lease or, okay, you bought the building Mm -hmm. and that's great and all. And sometimes we even dig a little bit about like, well, if you can buy the building, you should. And we never really drill down on the lease why it's important, and quite frankly, why if you can buy the property, it's a good idea to do because there's not really any more security when it comes to a lease than you controlling both sides Mm -hmm. of the equation. Um, So that's what we're here to talk about today. So we're going to jump right into it. The first thing we want to talk about is why a lease is so important. Um, It may seem kind of obvious, and in some ways it sort of is. Um, It's important because if you don't own the property and you don't have a long-term lease that's beneficial to you as a business owner, you really don't have a business in a lot of ways. I mean, if you're leasing that commercial space, I don't think you're going to take your laundromat and run it out of your home. This is not a home-based business, Mm -hmm. right? So that lease is really everything. But the flip side of of it is you could have a long-term lease. But if you don't have a long-term lease that has all the key components that you need, then you're really going to be missing out. You may be more working for your landlord than you are working mm-hmm. for, you know, for your business's own profitability. So one of the first things we like to talk about is kind of what's a rough idea um, as far as a percentage of gross income. Um, if you watched our last few episodes, one of them we talked about uh, how we kind of silo the pickup and delivery business mm-hmm. into different departments or segments and things like that to term to determine profitability. Well, you should really do that with a self-serve laundromat too, and your lease is probably one and maybe one A two. Uh, the first thing I like to tell people is, as a general rule of thumb, 25% of gross sales mm-hmm. is kind of what you're looking at. And of course, if you can get below that, if you can get down to 10 or 15 or 20, that's mm-hmm. even better. That's all going to go to your bottom line, kind of like with the, the uh, pickup and delivery episode that we did. Anything that you can do to separate these different silos of income streams, you're going. it's going to go to your bottom line. Uh, and so 25, 30 is really pushing mm-hmm. it in most people's minds. In my mind, I wouldn't feel comfortable signing a, a lease that's 30%. But a lot of people say, well, I'm building a new laundromat or I'm taking over an existing laundromat. Um, and maybe there's a bunch of opportunity there and I want to grow at 2x. So how do I sign a long-term lease when I don't know what my income is going to be? 
And the truth is, if you're doing a project, whether it's a new build, new construction, or you're taking over a you know zombie mat um, and and plan on fixing it up, if you haven't done a pro forma and you don't know what your income should be as a rough estimate in three, four, five years, then you, you really can't calculate this correctly. Mm-hmm. And so what I always tell people is typically it takes about three to four years to reach a full ramp up. Uh, some people use the word plateau from where your income streams are going to kind of plateau. Uh, if you're building a new store, obviously you're starting at zero. And so where's that plateau? Typically, it's about a three to four year window. If you can get there faster, great. But that's usually where we have a pretty good idea of where we're going to kind of stay. One thing that you haven't mentioned is, which I think people just know, is that laundromats, unlike many other businesses, Mm -hmm. they're very hard to move. So in every business, your lease is important because you know, you're looking at 25 to possibly even 30% of your gross revenue. That's a significant investment. But with a laundromat, If that gets too high, you can't easily move to another location because of the investment you have in the infrastructure, Mm -hmm. you know, the electric, the plumbing, all of that kind of stuff. It's just not easy to move. Um, So the lease is even more important in a laundromat environment than any other business. Well, and the flip side is also true, guys. And I know some of this goes without staying, and we're going to dig into what's important, what you should look for in just a minute here. But as part of kind of this intro... We also want to point out to people, if you have a short-term lease, meaning you only have five years left on your option, that's going to hinder you for even if you are at 25 or below, it's going to hinder you from being able to reinvest in the future of the business. Mm-hmm. If you're taking over an old store or something like that, mm-hmm. it's going to it's going to actually hinder your ability to borrow money into the future. And we'll yeah. get into more of that in a minute. Um, but that kind of gives you like a, a rough outline of sort of why your lease is important. And I don't think we'd really have to convince any laundromat owner <laughs> that their lease is important. Um, but if you're not sure, if you're new to the industry or researching the industry, your lease is pretty much the be-all end all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can have an okay lease. You can have a great lease. You could have an awful lease. And the difference in those can a lot of times be the difference in profitability or not. Mm-hmm. So some of the things we want to jump into now are a few different categories that we've kind of siloed things over over our minds, some of the experiences that we've had in the industry, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and hopefully that they'll bring you value. So the first thing we're going to talk about is what you should actually look for in a lease. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing is, as we talked about, business tends to be slower at first, either because you've bought maybe a laundromat that's not doing well and you're going to reinvest in it, or because you've just opened a brand new location that people don't know about yet. It's really important, if possible, you can get favorable terms at the beginning of the lease. So that might be um, maybe rents a little lower for that first year or two or three or four years and then ramps up afterwards. Another example is sometimes even no rent for a little while, maybe while you're under construction. Um, So anything you can do to get favorable terms, especially in the beginning when profits are their lowest, is a good idea. That's something you want to look for in your lease if possible. Yeah, I've read some research studies done by the SBA and things like that, and they talk about why small businesses fail so frequently. You know, we all know the numbers of like roughly 50% and all these things. One of the biggest reasons why is because people are undercapitalized. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have piles of money, that's great. You can absorb that. But if you don't have it, what's another way you can accomplish this? And this is something we've had to live through is not having piles of money. And the fact of the matter is you can kind of flip the script and say, okay, 
well, I may not have piles of money, and maybe through artful negotiation, um, you can negotiate where you pay uh, free rent or don't pay any rent for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a really quick example, and then we'll dive into some more things. Uh, one of the things we did early on that was, I, I, didn't, I honestly kind of stumbled into it, uh, but one of the things I negotiated early on is when we were con- uh, renovating our second store, and we were just, we had no money at all, mm-hmm. uh, literally none. Um, and one of the things I negotiated in that lease was that, okay, we were going to take over this space. The store was closed to the public. We were going to renovate it. And I estimated that it would take five months. And they were like, okay, well, what if we give you five months rent free? And I said, well, you know, the thing is, I mean, I, I'm not positive that it's going to be five months. So what if we just do, I start paying you rent when we open the space? Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, a lot of really experienced commercial property owners wouldn't allow something like that. Uh, but the people that I was negotiating with didn't have a problem with it because I told them, I said, look, this space is in really bad shape. What if I get in here and there's all kinds of problems that I'm not expecting right now? Mm-hmm. And then the flip side is also true. And I and this is a good negotiation strategy is I also told them, I said, well, what if I'm able to open sooner? I mean, do you think I'm going to not open sooner? Well, if I can open sooner. And so there's kind of a risk reward proposition mm-hmm. between you and the commercial property owner. And we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but the other side is I always encourage people not to beat your tenant, your landlord up too much. Mm-hmm. Find something that's truly a win-win. We're not looking to manipulate anyone. We're looking to be successful. We want them to make money and be successful too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and another example might be if you know it's going to take you three or four years to ramp up, maybe you get the construction period rent-free or half off or something, um, and maybe that's an infinite amount of time. Um, but then you also get... Um, a situation where, okay, after we open up, we get uh, a fixed amount of time mm-hmm. where our our rent is discounted by 50% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anything you can do, even if you do have a pile of money, quite honestly, <laughs> but if you don't, anything you can do to buy yourself another week or another month or another year is going to be very important in the ramp-up period of your business. And most businesses, unless you're buying a turnkey laundromat, they have a ramp-up period of some time. Yeah. The next thing we want to talk about, as we mentioned, laundromats are hard to move. So you want to make sure that you can get a long-term lease. Um, We recommend a total length of at least 20 years. Mm -hmm. Now, that can look different ways. It might be... You might have a five-year lease with three five-year options. What I go for is actually 30 years, and this is mm-hmm. a, you know the holy grail, if you will. What I go for is a 10-year lease with two 10-year options. Mm-hmm. And a lot of commercial properties don't like 10-year options. A lot of them don't even like 10-year leases. The main reason that I do that um, is mainly because of the financing. You know, We haven't had piles of money in the past, so we've known that we were always going to have to borrow money and refinance. And for the most part, our industry's kind of top uh, terms is about 10 years. If you can borrow, you know, a million bucks to do a project, you're probably not going to be able to finance it for more than 10 years. Um, And it used to be seven or eight, not too terribly long ago. And now they're going out. So we'll see how that goes. But one of the things that the lenders require is financing terms that are in line with your, um, your lease. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a 10-year uh, loan for a million dollars, a 10-year amortization table, then they're going to acquire a minimum of a 10-year lease. Mm-hmm. And so you could have a five-year lease with two five-year options, 
and that's 15 years total. And what they were going to require is for you to exercise that first option before you even literally open the business. And mm -hmm. so you have a 10-year option or a 10-year lease, and now you only have one five-year option. So yeah, mm -hmm. in, in most cases, uh, you know, most people that know this industry well, they'll recommend a 10-year lease with two five-year options. It's kind of a minimum, which is still that 20-year window. Mm -hmm. And that gives you a little bit of flexibility, but you don't, you really want them to be, and this is important, you want them to be tenant options. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to be mutual options. You don't want to be property owner options because mm -hmm. they could back out at any point. And those aren't super common, but yeah. when you're negotiating these things, just make sure you understand if the if the property owner knows that you're not experienced in commercial lease negotiations, a lot of times they could agree to something like a mutual option, which means basically both parties have to agree to it, which means it doesn't exist. Yeah. There's nothing better than free. Ever heard that before? Well, it's not true. You know what your laundromat customers like even better than free? It's fast. That's right, they wanna save time more than they want to save money in most cases. They want to get in and out of your laundromat as fast as possible, and they'll pay more for that experience. We're proof of that here in Cincinnati. That's why we added HM Company drain troughs into our newest store in Cincinnati. While they may never know why, your customers will love that your washers all drain better and faster than with old school drain pipes. As if that wasn't enough, every HM drain trough is made in the USA, so they ship in only a few weeks and everyone is custom made just for you and your project. If you want to provide your customers with a top of the industry experience in your store, then contact your distributor to order your HM company drain trough today or visit draintroughs.com. The next thing that uh, we want to make sure you have in your lease, if possible, sometimes this isn't, mm -hmm. but is the, the right of first refusal. If you're not familiar with what that means, it means if they want to sell the property, that you get basically first dibs on it. Mm -hmm. So you have to refuse whatever price they're they're wanting to sell it for before they can offer that price to somebody else, basically. Um, this isn't as likely to happen if you're in a larger strip mall, but for a standalone building or even maybe a small strip mall, uh, definitely we recommend getting this right of first refusal. It's definitely benefited us in the mm -hmm. past. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's obviously a couple caveats. One of them is, do you want to own the property? Because mm -hmm. there's no reason to argue over a right of first refusal if you don't. Um, I still recommend, I mean, unless it's just a $10 million shopping center or something. Even if you think you don't right now, I still recommend trying to get it, mainly because what if you change your mind in five years mm -hmm. and you decide you do want to own the property, it's good to have. Uh, the flip side of it is also true, though, so it's important to understand that while it's nice to get, it's actually really, really difficult to get mm -hmm. because the property owners really, other than just playing it as part of the totality of the negotiation, meaning wanting to sign you to a lease, um, there's really no reason for them to give it to you. There's no benefit to them. Mm -hmm. And there's a negative because a lot of people don't know this, but if you talk to commercial property investors, commercial property agents, things like that, a lot of times what happens is the property owner decides they want to put the property up for sale. They put it up for sale. They go to a listing agent and basically they won't get any offers. And the reason mm -hmm. why is they have to disclose that they have a right of first refusal. And so if I am an outsider making an offer to you, 
I'm there's a high likelihood that I'm wasting my time mm -hmm. because whatever offer I make, two million bucks on this property, you have to turn around and give to someone with a right of first refusal. Mm -hmm. And then you typically have to give them 30 to 45 days to respond. Sometimes it's shorter, but mm -hmm. typically 30 days to respond. And and I'm just over here like the kind of kind of like the girl left at the prom, so to speak. <laughs> and it's 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 just the situation that's really not good for anybody. So the fact of the matter is, understand that while it's very valuable to you, there's really no incentive for them to give it to you other than it's a part of the negotiation process. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I teach my clients in coaching and stuff is when you're negotiating anything in life. Always be looking for give and takes. You know, whenever you give something and say, okay, well, I really wanted 30 years, uh, but okay, I'll take 20 years, a 10-year option or a 10-year lease and two five-year options, but I'll only agree to that if you agree to write a first refusal. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the old give and take, you know, scenario. I really want 30 years. And to be honest with you, when you go into your negotiations, one of the things that's important to do is to know what's more important mm -hmm. to you. That right of first refusal may not be that important to you. It may not be as important as a third, third-year, ten-year option. Mm -hmm. um, so these are all important things to kind of navigate and kind of have like bullet points and things like that along the way to understand what's important to you. Um, another thing we don't actually even have in our notes here, Carla, is the flip side of that is before even asking for a right of right of first refusal, when you start negotiations on a commercial property, if you want to own it, start there. Mm -hmm. And just say, hey, before we start negotiating a lease, any chance you'd be willing to sell this property because we would be interested in buying it. Yeah. And that I found that does two things. One of the things it does is lets them know that you're serious about this investment. Mm -hmm. So even if they're not going to sell to you, it kind of piques their interest. Like these people aren't playing around. If they're yeah. willing to buy the property, they're in this for the long run. And then the flip side is if you don't end up getting that, then you kind of fall back to, okay, well, I'll take a right of first refusal. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so the next thing that a, a, long, a great long-term lease should have um, is you should be really careful of the escalators. Now, any lease is going to have rent increases. Mm -hmm. Typically, they're going to have them every year. Uh, that's pretty common. And what a lot of commercial properties, especially the big companies, what they like to do is tie it to the CPI. Um, the I don't, consumer price index, right. which is set by... Who who it's, sets that? <laughs> it's set by it's set by the banks and the governments. A lot of people joke and call it the CP lie because it's a manipulate. And I won't go down this rabbit hole too far, but it's a manipulated formula. It changes all the time. They're always adding things to it and removing things from it to make the numbers look like they want them to look. Okay. And if they want it a little higher, then they add thing components to it. If you look back in like 1971, for example, what the CPI index formula was back then compared to now, it's like laughable. It's a completely different formula. So basically the gist of it is, is it's going to be a rate that you have no control That's over. Right. That's right. So instead you want to keep the rates to a known amount. Mm -hmm. like, and so what I've always learned, what I've, and keep in mind some of the big, the big boys, the big commercial property owners, they don't like to do this. And attorneys a lot of times don't like to do this. I like fixed numbers. I like fixed numbers. So if I agree to pay 2500 bucks a month in rent for 2500 square foot of space okay mm -hmm. if i agree to that then i say okay um, in year 1 i will pay 2500 in year 2 i will pay 2600 and this is a hypothetical but <laughs> in year 3 i'll pay 2700 and 28 i like exact dollar amount so mm -hmm. i know what my rent is going to be where what they like to do is they like to base it on 
formulas and the CPI index and things like that. And so it's a it's a moving target. It, one year it could be eight percent. One year it could be two percent. Another thing that I like to do when it comes to escalators is I like to um, I like to push them out every five years, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to every year. Now, once again, these are typically counterproductive because the property owners typically want an increase every year. I like to do them every five years, and the reason I like to do that is for the same reason they're not going to want to do it. And what that is is something called compounding interest. So, just like we like compounding math when it comes to personal finance and investments in the stock market and uh, acquisition of businesses and things like that. It also compounds year over year. And what I mean by that is if you agree to a 10% increase every five years in your rent, Mm -hmm. that's not the same as a 2% increase every year for five years Mm -hmm. because the 2% gets added onto the back end and it compounds. So it's 2% of 52%, 2% of 54%, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're in this for the long haul, especially if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and you plan on owning a business, if if you extrapolate out the math, of 20, 30 years, it's actually a significant amount of money. And so once again, it depends on how sophisticated the people are that you're negotiating with. But I always encourage people to uh, look for the small wins within these. And this might be an example, once again, of a give and take. Mm -hmm. Okay, you won't give me 30 years, but I do want the the 10% every five years you know, mm-hmm. it's that it, any good negotiator says, you know, it, for every time you give something, to make sure you receive something in return. And these mm-hmm. seem these seem like significant things, but they can really add up. Mm-hmm. The next thing uh, we want you to be mindful of in your lease are the extra expenses that are added on. Uh, most common of this would be CAM. Um, CAM could be things like repainting the building, uh, redoing the parking lot, landscaping around the building, signage, um, repairing the roof. It can, it can include a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. We recommend that you have a set CAM amount. If it increases, it increases by a set amount. Um, the dangerous thing would be, let's say, the whole place needs a new roof. If you just have to pay, let's say if it's just a set, you have to pay, you own, you're in 20% of the shop, the shopping mall or whatever. Your space is 20%. You have to pay 20% of whatever the cam is. If they suddenly decide to put on a new roof, you could be looking at a, if it's a $100,000 job, $20,000 in cam. Mm-hmm. Where instead, if they have just a set amount of cam every month, let's say it's, you know, $500 a month or whatever, you know what you're going to have to pay and you can budget accordingly. You don't want it to be just an open cam amount where you pay a certain percentage because it's up to them to decide what they're going to spend it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've seen situations, we have friends in the industry and stuff like that where for whatever reason the property owner decided they want laundromat owner out. They want them out. And they look at the lease and they will hire an attorney and say, tell me how to get them out. And they'll say, well, I tell you what, there's no maximum in here for your ceiling on your cam. And so, for example, you need a new roof anyways, I'd put a roof on this year. Need a new parking lot, I'd put a new parking lot. New windows in the building, I'd put new windows. Why don't we paint the building while we're at it? And these are all things they might going to do anyways, but they'll do them all in one year. And all of a sudden, you get nailed with a $50,000 cam bill. And by the way, this is not common. These are horror stories, but it's important to understand Especially if you're, you know, dealing with devious or dishonest property owners, or if you find yourself in a situation where you're taking over someone else's lease, mm-hmm. some of these things are not things that a 
business attorney, a lease attorney will look for. They mm-hmm. should, uh, but they sh- but they may not. And what I always tell people is, yes, we always have an, even though we're experienced, we always have an attorney look over mm-hmm. these things. But hey, 10 sets of eyes is always better than one. And so you look over it, you look for these things that we're including in this episode, and then also ask your attorney to look over those things and say, mm-hmm. hey, these are 10 things that I'm looking for. I didn't see these things, but mm-hmm. let's watch out for these things. And by the way, sometimes you have to educate an attorney because they don't know your business and they don't know why your lease is as important and valuable mm-hmm. as it might be as it might be in another industry. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's something that's really important too. Um, just so you know, typically in a commercial property lease, um, cam a cam ceiling, for example, will typically be like a percentage of your rent. So let's say ten okay. percent or something, and that's an arbitrary number. Uh, but there will typically be like a percentage of your your lease amount. Um, your cam can't be above that, or it can it can only cover uh, monthly expenses. It can't cover fixed expenditures mm-hmm. like putting on a new roof. Um, <clears throat> your leases can be written in different ways. Sometimes it can be that CAM is part of replacing the roof. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be, oh, it only includes monthly maintenance of the building. Mm -hmm. Um, So fixing cracks in the parking lot or things like that. Um, Maintenance of the property, cutting the grass, landscaping, but not replacement. So not Mm -hmm. replacing the parking lot, but it would include maintenance of the property Mm -hmm. or of the parking lot, I mean. So those are examples of things uh, to really take a look out for. Um, the last one we have as far as what your what a great lease could have and should have is to be fully transferable. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think about that. Um, we actually have one of our leases we signed years ago that isn't fully transferable because mm-hmm. I didn't know back then, and back then, and it's a long-term lease. And so what I always tell people is they say, well, why does it matter? I plan on owning the business forever. What I tell people is, hey, it's always better to have a transferable lease. You never, maybe you're always going to be in the laundromat industry. Maybe you want to pass this on to your kids. Okay, well, even if you're going to pass it on to your kids, unless you want to hold it in your name and have them be an operator of the business, you can't quote unquote sell it to them and have them take over the lease. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to put all this time and effort in negotiating a lease for 20, 30, 40 years, the last thing you want to say, okay, well, this is my lease. But if I sell the business to someone else, it's not their lease. Mm-hmm. Or say, for example, you pass away and your spouse doesn't want to operate the business. Well, they can sell the business, but it's not near as valuable with a well-negotiated lease. If they got to go back to the table and negotiate themselves and they can't negotiate similar terms that you negotiated maybe five, ten years ago, then the property or the business isn't as valuable when it comes to selling the asset. So a fully transferable lease is very, very, very important. And what I always tell people is treat that negotiation as if you're selling the property today. Yeah. Um, you always you always just want to give yourself options. Yes. Um, so, and that's what we're trying to help you. You want to make sure that your lease protects you and gives you as many options as possible for whatever life might throw at you, yeah. basically. Absolutely. What we're going to talk about next are some often missed opportunities and leases. So not things that maybe you'll see very often, but things you can think about as you're entering lease negotiations. Um, one of those is a tenant improvement allowance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, especially if you're taking over um, either an empty uh, area or a really rundown area, uh, that might be some incentive for that that 
building owner to give you maybe some money towards improving the space. After all, the building is their asset. Yeah. One of the things I coach clients through when we're talking about lease negotiation and things like that is I actually lay it out in almost that exact same way. And I say, look, when you're negotiating, sometimes it's just important how you phrase things. Mm -hmm. So I tell the story all the time of a woman that came up to me when I was first in the industry, just starting to fix up my store. She came up to me and she said, thank you for fixing up our laundromat. Mm -hmm. And it brought me to tears. It changed the way I look at my business for an ever and ever. Amen. Now, she probably didn't say that intentionally. She just Mm -hmm. genuinely saw it as our community laundromat. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people will say all words are semantics, and sometimes they are. Here's an example of something. When it comes to tenant improvement allowance, what I encourage people to do is don't, don't, don't go to them and say, hey, I'm going to buy this laundromat. I'm going to fix up this laundromat. I'm going to put $500,000 in it. I'm going to lease from you, and I want you to contribute $25,000 toward me fixing up my laundromat. <laughs> that's not how you say it, guys, because that's – while it may be semantics to a certain extent, uh, that's just not how you phrase these things. What you do is you explain to them that you are going to invest a half a million dollars in their building. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm going to do. If we can agree to a long-term lease and I can get right of first refusal and I can get all these things that we just talked about, what these this really next category is kind of what I would call bonuses or missed mm-hmm. opportunities. And really what this is is kind of like, hey, if you can get these, these are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So TI, which stands for Tenant Improvement Allowance, is something that you can often, often, often get if you position yourself the right way. Mm -hmm. So one of the big things is to make sure that they understand the commitment you're making to their building. Mm -hmm. And I also uh, believe, while it's not always possible, I also believe that negotiations are much stronger when you can do them in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes you got to do it over Zoom. Sometimes you got to do it over a phone or whatever. Sometimes you've got to do it through an attorney or something like that. But anytime you can negotiate in person, it's always going to be better. But there are situations out there when I know people that have gotten a tenant improvement allowance of twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in some cases. So imagine you're doing, and they're not going to give it to you if you're doing a fifty thousand dollar improvement. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they might give it to you if you're doing a five hundred thousand dollar improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, We actually have a coaching client that we just worked with. I still work with them um, on building a new store. And they were able to negotiate. It wasn't a dollar amount, but it was a a fixed asset. So they Mm -hmm. were able to negotiate like, okay, I'm going to sign this long-term lease. And before I open the property, you're going to put a new HVAC system in. Mm -hmm. And whatever the cost of the floor is, you're going to pay for that. And so I'll get the bids. They have to be approved by you. We put a maximum on them. And so the maximum I can spend on this floor is $15,000, but you will pay up to $15,000 dollars on the floor. What a lot of property owners really like um, without realizing it psychologically is they like it when they feel like they know what they're paying for. Mm-hmm. So if you just say, hey, I want 50 grand, a lot of times they're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. If you say, I want 20, a lot of times they say, yeah, that's not going to happen. Say, okay, I want you to put a new HVAC in and I want you to put a new power assisted toilet in and I want you to cover the cost of my, t- my new tile floor and I'll take care of everything else. A lot of times You can negotiate these things, and maybe they'll cover half the cost of the floor Mm -hmm. and things like that. Another thing is just asking for it. Uh, Even if you can't get it, sometimes it can open up other options. Um, Like, for instance, let's say you ask for an allowance, but maybe the building owner doesn't have a lot of cash sitting around to help Mm -hmm. you. They can't give you that money, but it might be, hey, we can't give you this allowance, but how about maybe you can get that rent abatement? Mm -hmm. How about, you know, we can't give you $20,000, but how about we give you four months of free rent? You know, so even if you can't get it, never hurts to ask, and maybe it'll help you get something else instead. 
that's that's a tactic we've had success mm-hmm. using, and we've used more than once. And we've been able to I call it the either or, but I just make that up in my mind. And I, I'll keep going back to this. If I if you won't give me this, what about this? Yeah. Well, I'll give you this, but yeah, but I am going to need this in return. So always be prioritizing your bullet points and what's mm-hmm. the biggest priority to you, mm-hmm. because. Maybe you can't get what you want, but you can get something different. Hey, maybe a $20,000 TI improvement is in some cases more valuable to you Mm -hmm. than rent increases 15 years from now. 15 years from now, hopefully you're the next laundromat millionaire, right? (laughs) And so a difference in two and two and a half percent isn't probably going to change your life Mm -hmm. 15 years from now. But that 20 grand in your pocket right now, that could be the difference in this project being successful and not. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people also look at these things and say, yeah, Dave and Carla, it's kind of obvious that I would just want to go for the things that are the most, have the most monetary value over the length of the lease. And that's not true because if you're if you're struggling financially and you're trying to make this project and get this open, it may be much more valuable. And we've done this. It may be much mm-hmm. more valuable to get twenty or twenty five thousand dollars in rent credits and things like that right now mm-hmm. than it is worrying about a two or three percent increase 10, 20, 30 years from now. So another item that you might want to ask for, which we've done in the past and mm-hmm. has proven to be very beneficial is right of first refusal on adjacent areas. Um, So this would be if you're in a strip mall type situation, and this happened to us um, with our Milford location, we had a tattoo parlor next door. Mm -hmm. That space was vacated and we had right of first refusal on renting that area at the same rate as our current area we were renting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it allowed us to expand a very crowded laundromat location. And so we were able to take out that wall, expand our area, and now we have much more room. And let me say this too, Carla. While we talked about the right of first refusal on the um, the, the prior situation, this situation is totally different mm-hmm. because they'll typically give this to you for free. Mm-hmm. They love the idea of if my tattoo tenant moves out, you're going to move in, automatically take over that space. I don't even have to market this mm-hmm. property. And so you say, okay, well, if they're going to be so quick to give it to you, well, the reason you want that is what if the person on the other side of the space, like your convenience store or something mm-hmm. like that, what if they also want that? What if they weren't savvy enough to negotiate right of first refusal? The property owner, they just want somebody to take over the space. They don't care who it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to be in a battle with your other neighbor. Hey, I've got first refusal. This is something I negotiated 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're taking over a space, it honestly never hurts to negotiate an adjacent space right Mm -hmm. of first refusal. One, you can always turn it down. And two, you may have a 10,000 square foot space where you think, why would I ever need another 10,000 square foot? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, I don't know, but it's better to have it than to (laughs) not have it. You can also use that as a negotiating tactic if you wanted to. And I'm not suggesting manipulation or anything like that. But say, for example, you didn't really want that space, but the person on the other side of the space did really want that space. Mm -hmm. You technically own that space. You have right of first refusal to lease it, but you could just go over them and say, hey, you know how we've been splitting uh, trash disposal? Okay, tell you what, uh, we're, I mean, we'd like to have that space. I think we're going to probably pass on it. If you'll take care of this, if you'll take care of the trash from now on, then we'll we'll free up that space and you can take over that space. Mm-hmm. So once again, there's fine lines here between being ethical and moral and things like that. I'm not suggesting to do anything shady, but it's the fact of the matter is it's always better to have leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, leverage can be used against you in a very negative way. You can choose how you use your leverage 
but you can't choose how you use it if you don't have it. Um, and then Carla touched on something you might have missed on, and that is at the same rate. Mm-hmm. So there's two different conversations here. One of them is I want right of first refusal for the space. And sometimes that's that's typically pretty easy to get. And then the second component is once you've gotten them to agree to that, then you just kind of very conveniently and uh, quickly say, oh, and by the way, at the same same rate that I'm paying currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right it per just, square foot. Yeah. And the beauty is when that happens, you don't even need to renegotiate your lease. You can just add an addendum. And it's super easy for them. It's super easy for you. They now have a long-term tenant over a longer or a larger space. Mm-hmm. It's a truly a win-win for everybody. And Carla's right. That's something we had great success with. Mm-hmm. A next thing that is often overlooked, but you definitely should ask for being in the laundromat industry, yeah. preferred parking spaces. With your lease. Um, as we know, parking is often an issue at laundromats. People want the closest spot possible because you're lugging in and lugging out a bunch of laundry. Yeah. So if you are in a strip mall situation, especially where you are sharing parking spaces with other nearby establishments, if you can get some preferred parking spots um, that are basically dedicated to only your customers, that is very beneficial. Absolutely. And I'm just going to keep going back to it, Carla. This is another example of negotiate it. You can always not take it if you don't mm-hmm. want. You can always put up, not put up signage to reflect that. But in most, um, what's the word? In the most shopping centers, your your lease language will specifically state that all parking spaces are common spaces. Mm-hmm. They're shared spaces. Their community is a lot of times the word they use, meaning it's first come, first serve. Mm-hmm. Um, in some spaces, this is not as important. Uh, let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, you have a convenience store next door to you, and it's just you and them in the building. Okay, well, their ideal avatar, their ideal tenant is going to be coming and going in five or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. So you're, they may want preferred parking spaces <laughs> because our our customers tend to be what I call parking hogs. They park there for two or three hours in mm-hmm. some cases and don't leave. But you know they're probably just stopping in for a soda or a candy or something like that, and they're going to be gone. So this might be something you negotiate for, ask for, but it's really not that important. But the flip side can also be too. What if it's a restaurant? What if it's a bar where people hang out for six, seven, eight hours on a Saturday <laughs> and watch football and things like that? Well, then that's something you're going to want to really, really battle and fight for. Mm-hmm. It's something you may not consider, may not think about until you're in the industry. But mm-hmm. parking is immensely valuable for any business, but for our business, it's it's next level for sure. So another one that we want to talk about is HVAC replacement um, or at a minimum to have it professionally serviced or maybe even both if you can. Mm-hmm. So. These are, once again, missed opportunities that we see people uh, maybe have had an opportunity to get negotiated in their lease. At worst case scenario, these are leverage uh, points. And so an example of that might be, okay, as a, as a laundromat, especially in the South, we're really hard on an HVAC system. Mm-hmm. And so an example is a coaching client we had recently that was building a new laundromat in a space. There was an HVAC system there that technically worked. Mm-hmm. And that client, I said, well, it technically works. He said, well, I'm going to be responsible for servicing it. I said, that's fine, but you need to have that thing looked at now. Well, he had it looked at now. They were He was going to sign a long-term lease, and the lease basically would have stated that the um, – the unit was originally provided by them, but it was working. He took over. Any future replacement was done by the tenant. 
And so I told the tenant, I said, no, 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 no. Before we sign this lease, before you go into the space and spend, you know, three quarters of a million dollars in the space, here's what you need to do. Go back and say, look, I know this technically works, but there's two problems. One, it's 15 years old. And so it may work today, but we both know it's not going to work tomorrow. And in this lease, I'm responsible for replacing it. The other side is it's not right-sized. So mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the space, if I remember right, it was like a doctor's office or something. And the, the, uh, the coaching client said, well, I'm going to be taking over that space. There was like a five-ton unit in there. And when we did the sizing measurements for a laundromat, it needed to be 15 tons where it was five tons. Yeah. And so I said, okay, this is something we need to address. And as an example, a coaching client wouldn't even know to ask for that. Mm-hmm. Just, hey, the HVAC works. He would have got in there and had a 15-year-old unit that wasn't even sized properly. And he wouldn't have been able to properly air condition his store. Instead, he went back to the landlord property owner and said, okay, as part of the negotiation, what I'm going to need you to do is right-size this and put in new units. Now, if you do that from this point forward, I will take responsibility. Well, there's a, those are two completely different <laughs> scenarios. I think it ended up being about twenty or twenty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars that they spent. They see it as a one-time expense. They're able to write it off on their taxes. They understand that there's really no reason you should have to take over a space, build a brand new facility, spend a half a million, three quarters of a million dollars, and take over a fifteen-year-old HVAC unit. So it's completely reasonable to ask for these things. But of course, they're not going to offer them if you don't mm-hmm. ask for them. And if you can, hey, negotiate that they have to replace future units. And if mm-hmm. you can replace, negotiate that they have to do uh, regular maintenance on it on a service mm-hmm. contract. You know, whatever you could negotiate for, by all means, do that. Uh, but this is some pretty powerful stuff that mm-hmm. can really add up to significant money. Oh yeah. So when you hear people talk about, you know. Hiring a mentor, hiring a coach, even working with a rock star distributor that might offer advice like this. Um, you're in a situation where it's like, man, what if as a new investor, a new researcher, you didn't know this? Mm-hmm. The difference in that, if a coaching client paid a consultant five or $10,000 for a year's worth of coaching, and they just got $25,000 in HVAC uh, tenant allowance when they wouldn't have even known to ask mm-hmm. for it otherwise, obviously that was a pretty good investment. Yeah, definitely. So th- that's an example of, of some of additional uh, mistakes, you know, all of those pitfalls that we talk about. It's not always buying the wrong store or signing a bad lease. Sometimes you signed a really good lease and you just left money on the table. There's mm-hmm. that bonus. But man, $25,000 is kind of a lot of money to leave on the table, if you ask me. And quite frankly, in a lot of situations, you might even not ever know that you left it on the table. Yep. Never hurts to ask. Um, The last one missed opportunity, we kind of already hit a little bit, which is rent abatement. Mm -hmm. Um, You can ask for, you know, to have so long without rent, maybe while you're under construction or give you so many months to get the the business up, ramped up or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes when you ask for something else, like we talked about the uh, tenant improvement allowance, and they say no, maybe they'll give you rent abatement instead. So it's all part of that first thing we talked about, those favorable terms up front. Um, That's when the business is the least profitable because you're going to turn it around and make it a wonderfully profitable, modernized laundromat. So in the beginning is usually when you have the least amount of money. Um, So you want those favorable terms. And if you can get that tenant allowance, the improvement allowance, the rent abatement, things like that, then it sets you up for success. And a great landlord is going to want you to be successful because that's going to make you a great tenant, which leads us into 
the last thing we want to talk about, which is some of those negotiation strategies, yeah. finding those win-wins, yeah, making this, the landlord want to give you the good stuff. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, is, this falls under the category of like unpopular opinion. You see people post things like that on social, unpopular opinion, you know, stirring up issues. Uh, this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't understand why. So we wanted to make sure we included it in this episode. When you are negotiating a commercial lease, it's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy to view them as an adversary. Mm -hmm. Even if you win, even if you are able to strong arm them and get them to give you things they wouldn't have given you otherwise, like you are starting off a long-term relationship with somebody that quite frankly has a lot of power and authority over you, no matter how great your lease is, and they don't like you. They don't want you to be successful. And that just never made a lick of sense to me. Now, I happen to have a lot of training in negotiation and sales tactics and things like that. So this just kind of made sense to me. But it goes back to finding the win-win, which we talk about in every aspect of business. Mm -hmm. Please, guys, whatever you do, don't go into a lease negotiation and destroy a relationship over a few thousand dollars. So what I tell people is, if you can't go into this property owner and you can't sell yourself, you can't sell your vision and how you are going to go in and invest heavily and improve their asset, their building, if you can't sell that to them, then you haven't done your homework. You probably don't have a business plan. You probably don't have the right financing in place. You probably don't have a great distributor, coach, mentor to speak up for you. I remember at one point, I don't remember which store it was, two or three maybe, uh, we were kind of right on the fence of being able to close this deal and they just weren't quite there yet. And I had them have a conversation with my mentor, Steve Millman, mm -hmm. and he acted as the resident expert in the industry. And he, they were able to research him and say, oh, he's been in the industry since 1957. Mm -hmm. His dad built this company. They've been doing this for 80 years. And he's vouching for Dave Menz and saying, mm -hmm. hey, this guy knows what he's doing. He's going to invest heavily in your business. And that was a significant, or in your building, it was a significant part of the negotiation. Had a big so, impact. Yeah, a big impact for allowing us to get uh, rent abatement and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's powerful stuff. But the fact of the matter is you got to be prepared if you're going to go into this and you're going to sell yourself. So an example of that is a lot of people don't think about this. Um, you know, the, the word laundromat has ne such a negative connotation mm -hmm. associated with it that a lot of times we go in and we're like, oh, yeah, I own a laundromat or I'm going to own a laundromat and they're not going to want a laundromat in there. And it's true. Some property owners don't want a laundromat in there. Property owners need to understand, commercial property owners need to understand that having a modernized laundromat that's well run by a passionate entrepreneur who cares about the business, cares about serving the community, is one of the best anchor tenants that mm -hmm. they can have in that space. Now, it does depend on the space. If it's not really a retail space, it's more of a service-oriented space, then maybe they don't want you in there. You're not a good fit strategically. But generally speaking, it's up to us to go in and sell our vision of what mm -hmm. we're going to turn this business into. Because the more do they understand that you're in this for the long run, mm -hmm. you're serious, they they should, not all do, but they should understand that you're going to be investing in their property. And let me tell you what happens when you take over a zombie mat that occupies 5,000 square foot space in a 30,000 square foot shopping center and you invest a million bucks in it. The value of the property goes up. Mm -hmm. That's what happens is the value of the commercial property goes up. And the landlord likes and that. the landlord <laughs> likes that. And that's an example of selling your vision. Now, sometimes, as crazy as it sounds, they don't even know that. 
So the last thing we tell you guys is it's important to understand what you're going after, have your strategies in line, mm-hmm. but also being able to sell yourself, sell your vision to them, and then learn the art of compromise. Mm-hmm. Because once again, if you're going to go in there and scream and yell at them, even if you win, you've lost. Trust me. You have not built a rock-solid long-term business relationship. So some of those strategies are my price, your terms. So I'll, I'll, I want my price. I win there, but I'll give you your terms. I wanted 30 years, but I'll take 20 years mm-hmm. as long as you give me my price. And the flip side could be true. We could say, okay, I'll give you your price. I'll give you 3% increases in rent every year mm-hmm. instead of every five years at 2%, but I need my terms. I'm going to need a long-term 30-year lease mm-hmm. versus a 20-year lease, or I'm going to need 10-year lease with two 10-year options. And so once again, you have to prioritize what's more most important to you. But And that seems like common sense, right? But the last thing I want to leave you with is the most the best uh, salespeople, the best negotiation negotiators on the planet. You know what they do? They always start by going to the other person first. Mm-hmm. It's the old adage of put yourself in their shoes, and that's where I have had some immense success with negotiations over the years. That quite frankly has helped us become laundromat millionaires. Is um, um, negotiating win wins for everybody. But I went and looked at it through their lens and said, mm-hmm. "Okay, these are the things I need. Why would they give these things to me?" Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm going to invest half a million dollars in your building. You want me to win, Mm -hmm. right? You want me to be successful. Maybe I need to show you. I mean, I have literally taken plans and drawings and equipment quotes and said, hey, let's lay it all out here. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do. And they're sitting there looking at me like I'm crazy. You're about to spend three quarters of a million dollars in this in this space that's a complete dump and I'm not even getting any rent out of right now. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, they become very motivated. And sometimes, by the way, something we haven't talked about here, sometimes you're competing with other people. Yeah. And you might have two or three people all pitching themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you're not able to sell yourself and sell your vision of what you're going to do with their building and their space, you may not end up getting it at all. Yeah. So it may not be as simple as just TI money or something like that. I've also always heard with negotiations um, is, first off, make sure you go in prioritizing what you want. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know what is most important for you to get and what yeah. things you would like but are willing to give up. Because yep. that's going to be part of that compromise. You know, you want to hold on to those high-priority things, but you can give up some of those others to get there. And then as much as you can, kind of what you said about knowing what they want, look at it from their perspective. If you can, try to figure out what their highest priority items are mm-hmm. and what they're willing to give up. Sometimes that's not always as clear, but if you can figure that out, um, through the negotiation process, that can help you all get those win-wins too, where hopefully you can both get your highest priority items. Yeah. You can't always control the other side of the aisle. Um, so sometimes you just have to look at it through their shoes and figure out what works. Uh, but a lot of times you can build the right foundation, start mm-hmm. with the right place, start with a lunch or a coffee or something, uh, make a personal connection with them over kids or, yeah, I got a kid in college or whatever. Um People are human beings. Even these large corporate entities, um, you know, they may not own the property, but the person you're negotiating with probably has a lot of leeway when mm-hmm. it comes to negotiation. Make personal connections, be genuine, sell your vision, and you're going to mm-hmm. find that this lease negotiation could set you up for success for the next 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. But if done wrong, it can also just completely destroy mm-hmm. this business before it ever even gets started. Yeah, look at it as a partnership. I mean, really, the landlord is a partner. You want their building to be successful, and they should want your business to be successful because it helps their building. So 
at the end of the day, you are looking for a win-win. You're both looking to be successful, and you should sell that to them. Make sure you're going into it with that mindset. Absolutely. Guys, we're going to leave you with this. Mm -hmm. Anything and everything in business is always best when it's a win-win. If you feel like you're taking somebody to the cleaners, no pun intended, (laughs) if you feel like you're taking somebody to the cleaners, you might want to step back and renegotiate that um, because it may not be in your best interest, although it seems like it is from a selfish perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, It may make it hard for them to sell the building or hard for them to maintain the building. Everything we do in business, whether it's a property owner or a customer uh, in our store, that everybody's winning here. That's just the way business should be done. It's this healthiest way to do it. It's how we've always approached business. And quite frankly, it's what made us laundromat millionaires. So we think it's a good strategy. All right. We hope this episode was helpful for you and valuable. Uh, you know, Hopefully you got a lot of good nuggets out of this. There's probably some other questions. If you're watching this on YouTube channel or something like that, first of all, do us a favor. Our YouTube channel is blowing up right now. <laughs> and so do us a favor. And if you watch these videos and you're just not subscribing, subscribe. Click that alert mm-hmm. bell. And that way when the new episode comes out, you're always going to get that alert. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to leave you with this, guys. Always look for the win-win in business, and you're going to flourish, we promise. All right, we'll see you guys next time for another episode of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. For Dave and my beautiful wife, Carla Menz, we will see you all next time. Take Take care, care, everyone. We'll see you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.